Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Lord, this day we thank you for the word that is about to come forth. We pray that it falls on good ground. Lord God, we pray that our ears are open and our hearts are open to what you have to say to us on today. Um, That we will leave here not the same, Lord God, but we will leave been filled with your Holy Spirit and desiring to do all that you have called us to do in this place and in this earth. Lord, we pray for wherever you are, wherever you find us on today, whether our hearts are broken or our hearts are mended, whether we're, we're sick or we're, where we're strung out or whatever you find, whatever state you find us in today, we know that there is no valley too low that you cannot reach. There's no heart that's so broken that you cannot mend. There's no sin that's so great that you cannot forgive. And so, Lord, we pray right now that your Holy Spirit meet us here on today. Meet us where we are, Lord God. And show us what you can do in our lives and change us in this moment. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May you take your seats. Um, You guys know what we're talking about, the Sermon on the Mount, right? <laughs> uh, this is a, a year-long, almost going on a year-long series. Uh, I'm grateful for it. It has uh, really been a blessing to me, and I pray that it has been for you guys as well. Uh, and so we've probably got about maybe five more. Let's see how many more I got in <laughs> and squeeze out. Uh, but today we're at Matthew 7, 7 through 12, um, again looking at, uh, just digging into the word here. And so I'm going to read. Uh, God wants you to ask. Ask, seek, knock. It spells ask, right? <laughs> God wants you to ask. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Amen. That's good. There's a lot in that. And I think verse 12 seems out of place, but we want to see how it connects all together. Uh, this is probably a very familiar text, but it's probably one of the mo- most misunderstood and misrepresented texts. Um, this is not a blank check for you to ask whatever you want, and God is going to give it to you. So if you thought that's what this was about, I'm sorry. It's not what this is about. This, this does not mean that you ask for your brand new Maserati, and God is going to snap his fingers, and you're going to get that brand new Maserati. That is not what this is. But so many people have preached that, and so many people have been let down because their expectation is, well, I asked, or I sought, and I knocked, and it didn't happen. <laughs> so where does that leave me? Either God is not listening to me, or I misunderstood the scripture. And I think what we did was we misunderstood the scripture. Um if you only see this as a scripture that deals solely about prayer, uh, we're limiting or narrowing the scope of this scripture. While prayer is important and then discovered in earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, so we talked about the, the Lord's Prayer earlier in this uh, series of messages, uh, 
this is something ab- this is about about more than just prayer. So Matthew five twenty. So we're looking at Matthew starting at uh, the Sermon on the Mount starts in Matthew five, and it goes through uh, Matthew seven. So it covers about three chapters. And in verse Matthew five and twenty, uh, we begin to present a standard of living, a, f- a standard of kingdom living. So starting at verse twenty in Matthew five, and all the way up until now. Jesus presents a standard of kingdom living. And if you're following closely, you know that in our own strength, we cannot attain what <laughs> that standard is. Uh, starting in verse 20, uh, 21, it says, murder begins in the heart. I'm already off track because murder begins in the heart. Uh, adultery is in the heart. Uh, go to the second mile. I don't feel like going to first mile. Now I've got to go a second mile with the individual. Love your neighbors. Uh, motives to please God and not men. Can't serve God and money. And he said, don't worry. And we talked about not judging. And then uh, one of the other things we talked about is don't cast pearls to swine. And so we've looked at all these things, and there are many more. I just kind of gave you a highlight of some of the things, the standard of kingdom living that we went through in the Sermon on the Mount. And so we accumulate that in Matthew 7. And he says, ask. And so Asking you will seek, asking be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open. And so you look at these things and said, looking at these standard of living and said, hey, this is impossible in my own strength to do. Because I've already committed adultery. Already, I, can't, I don't want to go to first and now I've got to go to second and I don't love my enemies. How am I going to do this? And, and here now Jesus is saying, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to ask. And what are you going to ask for? You're going to ask for grace. We talked about this yesterday in our, our leadership meeting, uh, and I didn't know then what I know now, because <laughs> there were some more things. In, in light of what I learned yesterday, I kind of went back to this, and I was like, oh, this is good stuff. Uh, but I, I'm going to present to you that the promise that God's, that the promise that he's going to answer is he's going to give his grace. And in culmination with the scriptures before and after and looking at the totality of God, he's going to give us grace. Now, we can't look at this and say, well, it says ask and seek and, and knock, and I'm supposed to get this everything I want, right? Well, I'm quite sure there are some things that you've asked for that you didn't get. And as a parent of a child, you know that if a child asks for something, you're not dutifully going to do everything that child asks, right? <laughs> that would be foolish um, because sometimes you might need to eat some vegetables, right? You don't need to eat a whole bag of Oreo cookies. I'm not talking about me. But <laughs> but <laughs> some ch- some children may want to do that, but that's not good for you. So everything that is good for you, may, you may not like, right? And it's important as a parent that you do things that your child may not like that is good for their well-being, for, to- for their total well-being. It may be good for them. They may not understand it. They may fight it. They may kick and scream, but it is good for them. So everything that is good for good to us is not always feels like it's good for me. Sometimes I had to eat those rutabagas, and when I was younger, I didn't like greens. I love greens now, uh, uh, but you know those peas, and I still don't like peas. Uh, <laughs> uh, but spinach. When you were younger, you hated those things. Ah, oh, this is not what I like. I want cake and candy and a good healthy diet of Coke. Uh, and and fright, but that's not go- that's not good for us. And as a parent, you know that, and you're not going to f- you'll be doing your child a disservice if that's all you fed them, right? 
but we know better. And so how much more the God of the universe knows us? And when we ask for things we don't need or we think we need or we want, and God says no, or he doesn't answer it at all, he says that's foolish to ask amiss. <laughs> Not even going to answer that. God's promises to answer prayer when it comes to grace. Asking it shall be given. A few texts before, uh, a few texts have been more grossly perverted than these texts. Again, it's not a blank check. All one has to do is just ask, and God promises to answer in the positive. That's how it's presented, you know, but that's not always the case. I'm sure many of you have been sick and and dealing with issues, and you've asked God to take it away, and he doesn't take it away. Uh, James 4, 2, and 3 says, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So one may be asking amiss. What do you mean by asking amiss? You're asking out of God's will for your life. You're asking for things that he did not promise you he would give you. Uh, he, he promised to be your provider. So if provision is transportation, then my 20-year-old Volvo is transportation, and that's great. He did not promise me a Maserati (laughs) or a Lamborghini or whatever the car that you want. (laughs) But his provision for me works, and I love it. (laughs) Proverbs 28.9 says, One who turns away his his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So, again, there's some stipulation. This is for the believer. So those people who are following Jesus are the believer. So this is not – so, again – this can be perverted because even the secular world or the unsaved will take this and say, well, I asked God and it didn't happen. Well, that's not how this works. <laughs> you got to have a relationship. This is this is for the believer. This is not for the unbeliever. This is for the saint. This is not for the ain't. Uh, he wants the ain'ts to become saints. Uh, but some promises are for the saints. And this is for the saints. That he's going to give us grace. Matthew 6, 8. Through 13 and 33, it says, therefore, uh, therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need before you ask him in this manner. Therefore, pray and it goes into our father. And so when, when I talked about the Sermon on the Mount, uh, talked preach this message, I didn't mention that he says our father, meaning that we are his children, right? I'm his child and I'm this color. <laughs> And you may be his child, and you're a different color, a hue, a texture. We're all his children. So that means that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so you are my brother. You are my sister. Because that is our father. He did not say, well, I'm the father of these people. He is our father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. His will be done. That is our prayer should be that his will be done. Matthew six thirty three it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things that you desire will be added or all the things will be added to you that he knows you have need of. But the priority is seeking him first. Right. That is the key. Sometimes we get sidetracked on the other things. But the priority is seeking him first, seeking his word first. That has to be priority in our life. It has to take precedent over everything else. You have to get rid of some other things in your life if this can't be sought first. If you're too busy in your day to seek him first, you may need to rearrange your day. 
You may need to take some things out. You may need to say, let's regroup, let's do some things different because this has to take priority. This is most important. This is going to change my life. This is going to keep me alive. This is going to feed me and nourish me beyond the simple things that I think I need or see on a daily basis. This is going to keep me and sustain me through life. This is going to give me wisdom when I need wisdom. This is going to give me a kind thing to say when I want to put someone in the face. (laughs) This is going to help me love my neighbor as myself when I don't even know my neighbor. This is what's going to help me do that. When we pray, we must pray in submission to the will of God, praying that his will, not our own. And and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. First John five fourteen. This is a wonderful opportunity to heed the previous scripture uh, that we we uh, talked about before giving what is holy to dogs or casting pearls to swine. So last time we talked about uh, not to judge and taking the uh, beam out of your eye to take the toothpick or the small piece of wood out of someone else's eye. And it ended and we ended that with uh, p- using what's holy uh, and casting it to the dogs or using pearls to cast the pigs. Um, and so that may be confusing in that context when we talk about judging. But what's important here is you looking at what is holy and what is not holy. And you're not going to waste your time on what is not holy. And you're going to not, even in your energy, not waste your time on giving what's holy to dogs or giving pearls to pigs. They can appreciate that. And so you're going to give your time and your energy to what is going to benefit you, which is the word, right? <laughs> We're not going to simply do what is what the world wants to do. That's like casting the, your your uh, holy creator and your holiness to the world or giving it to the dogs or the pigs. But he wants to use that for your glory to benefit you and not just be doing uh, any and everything. Titus 2, 11, 15 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust." We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us for ev- from every lawless deed and purify himself, himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. Speaking these things, exhort and re- uh, speaking these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let's not let no one despise you. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That grace is that what we need. Everyone who asks receives. And everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks open. Uh, These three simply uh, imply distinct degrees of intensity. There's the asking or the spoken word, you know, your regular prayer life. There's that one level. And then there's actually the seeking. And when you're seeking something, and, and this is important because I know this gets to the specificity of the scripture, because it can seem like it is amiss when you're seeking. You have to know what you're seeking. You can't just say, I'm seeking, 
And then someone, well, what are you looking for? I don't really know. Well, then you're not seeking. You have to know what you're seeking if you're going to actually seek something out. And I need to seek his grace. And the next level is to knock. And that immediately he says, hey, I need it now. Hey, and that can get annoying. And you're going to answer that door, right? And God said, even in your flesh, you would do that for your neighbor. How much more he will do it for you if you knock, that he will answer that door. Even that little bit we got on your nerves, or a little bit, like, can I stop it, right? <laughs> it's how much more. There is the asking that is spoken word. Okay, so seeking and then the knocking. Signifies the earnestness, the diligence, and the perseverance. The promises that we seek, what we seek, we shall be given to us. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Uh, John 6, 37 says, all that the father gives me will come to me and the ones who come to me, I will by no means cast out. He wants you to seek him and he will immediately bring you in. It is, of course, implied that we seek what is with a proper spirit with humility, sincerity, and perseverance. It is implied also that we ask the things which are consistent for God to give us. God, in his word, doesn't say he's going to give you a million dollars. The things that he has promised to give us, which would be best for us and most for our own, for his honor. So maybe it's going to be best for us and it's going to be for his honor. God is willing to provide for us and forgive our sins to save our souls, to befriend us in trial, to comfort us in death, to extend the gospel through the world. Through the world, Man can ask no higher thing of God, and these he may ask, and assuredly he is willing to grant them. What more can you ask for than the forgiveness of your sins? <laughs> what more can you ask for than the grace of God? When you uh, try to calculate how much is grace, what does that cost you? There's no, no, no number that can be found. You can't pay for it. God's favor in your life to allow you to even breathe has no cost. God allowing you to live has no cost uh, that you can apply to it. You can't buy it. Um, everyone who asks receives. That's the one who asks right, who prays in faith and in submission to the will of God. He does not always give the very thing which you ask, but he gives what would be better for you. And as a parent, that very thing your child asks for is not always best for their welfare. You know, your child may be 16 and ask for a real fast car. You know, that may, you may find that it would be okay. I find that it might not be the best thing because um, uh, history and wisdom shows that um, Young people like to go fast and encouraging that could lead to their demise. And you don't want to be attributing to that. So you say, hey, you get you an old station wagon. That'll get you. <laughs> That'll get you to and fro. <laughs> or use this old beat up car that we used to have. And that'll, that'll meet your needs. But it's not always what you want. It's what's best for you. Second Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. It says, and least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Least I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded 
with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. <laughs> and he said to me, what did he say? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul is praying. Paul's a good example. You would think that if anybody is going to answer prayer, uh, God will answer Paul's prayer. Paul is, is his man in that season, right? He's going about and, and getting beat up and put in jail for preaching the word to the Gentiles. And he's disliked and he's doing everything in the name of Jesus. And now he has a thorn in his flesh. And he's prayed about this now three times. And God doesn't say, sure, let's take that away. No. Because if you look in comparison to Matthew 7, it says if you ask, it will be given, right? That's how we know that that can't be taken out of context. We have to take it into context. Because then you could look at 2 Corinthians and say, well, he asked and he didn't get. So something's not right. This doesn't line up. We're asking for the right thing at the right time. And in this, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's a good word. That is a good word. Because so many times we are weak. And unfortunately, in our weakness, we become more weaker. We don't look to him <laughs> for strength. We just squaddle and and I waddle in our weakness and say, oh, I'm so weak. I can't do it. I'm frail. But the first song we sung just today was God can do what? The impossible. What may not be possible with man or in my own strength is possible with God because he can do the impossible. Paul asked that the thorn be from his flesh might be removed, whether it was sexual or physical in nature, God did not literally grant that request, but told him that his grace would be sufficient for him. Grace signifies the good will of God towards us. That is enough to enlighten and enliven us, sufficient to strengthen and comfort in all our infirmities and distresses. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Thus, his grace is manifested and magnified when I'm weak. When we are weak in ourselves, we are strong in the grace of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. When we feel that we are weak in ourselves, then we go to Christ, receive strength from him, and enjoy, most, enjoy the most supplies of divine strength and grace. This endless supply of divine strength and grace. I know we were talking yesterday in our leadership meeting, and, and it rings true even now that you know, God's grace is abundant. And if we just take the time to recognize in our lives, we see how his good will towards us, that unmerited favor, he has given us time and time and time again. Even in the most difficult times in our lives, we realize that is when his grace is just most abundant in my life. When I'm sick, I realize, God, you kept me through that time. Other people didn't make it. But you kept me. When I didn't have, when I lacked financially, and I didn't think I was going to make it. You kept me. And your goodwill and your unmerited favor saw me through that. And now you're blessing me abundantly. More than I could ask or think. 
And so in my weakness, I am going to receive his grace. I'm going to seek up his grace. I'm going to knock down the door to get his grace. His favor in my life outweighs anything and anyone. Favor ain't fair, someone would say. <laughs> his favor is not about your uh, qualifications. So sometimes when you have favor, you don't have to be qualified. When you have favor, you don't have to have all the degrees and have all the uh, I's dotted and T's crossed. His favor goes above and beyond that. His goodwill towards you can outdo what man requires of you any and every day. God's principle for answering, if they ask for bread, we wouldn't give them a stone. And if they ask for fish, we wouldn't give them a snake. And, and in this, um, we wouldn't be deceptive to our children. And so and we wouldn't say, hey, here's some bread when it was really a stone. <laughs> you know, here's a snake because it kind of looks like a fish, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but in that, it is saying we shouldn't be deceptive to our kids. We're not going to present them with something that's not accurate. And so would our Father in heaven not present us with something that looked like something that then turns out not to be what we asked or requested. He's not going to try to fool you. He's not going to bring you in and lull you into thinking, hey, here's your, here's your bread, and then you get this a stone. That's not our Father. That's not your earthly Father wouldn't do that, I hope. And, uh, definitely not our Heavenly Father. And even our earthly fathers, as sinful as they may be, and as ungoodwilled and um, lacking and all the other things you can find as a father and a, and a mother, uh, the sin that we, uh, the sinful natures that we have, we look to give good gifts to our children. So how much more the perfect God who is loving and righteous wants to give us good gifts. If you as a father and mother finds that your hearts are disposed and ready to communicate the best for your child's relief and their sustenance, how much more will the almighty and the most beneficent father in heaven who is perfect, who has perfect knowledge of you and all that you need, wants to supply you with ease all that he has for you. Ready to extend his arms to you with kindness and freely give you what is needful, good things to them that by fervent prayer ask for by him. He's willing to give you. God answers prayer. One, your heart. Psalm 66, 18 says, if you regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So if there's sin in your heart, he will not hear you. So he wants you to come with a pure heart, a pure motive. And God's wisdom and love. Psalm 34, 10 says, young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack in anything good. James 1, 17 says, every good, good and perfect, every good gift, and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He is wanting to give you the gift of grace that outweighs any gift you could get. So looking at all of that, then he gets to uh, what sums up the law, paraphrasing verse 12, where it says, uh, so in everything, do to others what you will have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So this seems like it's not, like, you know, how the other syncs together, and this seems kind of arbitrary. Like, why, how does this connect? 
with what we were just talking about. But even more so, it's important because you see how that in your own strength, you can't do this. And that if you like the looking at Matthew 5 and 20 and all the other things that uh, kingdom standards of living that he gave us that is impossible in our own strength to do. But he's looking for us to depend on him. So he sums it up that even in this golden rule, you're going to need grace and you're going to need a pure motive to do this. Yet even here, there is the necessity that implied of our limitations. We cannot comply with all men's desires, right? So do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So it's not our job to do everything that everyone desires, nor ought we to wish that they should comply with ours. You know, if I ask you to do something, I expect you to do it because I would try to do it for you. No, that's not it. For their desires are foolish and frivolous or may involve the indulgence of, the, of lust or the passions. The rule is only safe when our own will has been first purified so that we wish only for others, which is good. I don't wish to do you wrong. I wish you good because I serve a good God. I'm not wishing, I'm not acting out of selfishness or injustice and to put myself first or to put someone ahead of you. But my expectation is that I'm putting you first because I know God has put me first. (laughs) But put yourself in the place of the other and ask what you expect of him. This will make you impartial, candid, and just. It will destroy envy, treachery, unkindness, slander, theft, adultery, and murder. If we ask, put ourselves in that place. It's just simple empathy. Let me try to understand the other person. That doesn't mean that you do everything the other person desires, right? Just like you wouldn't desire everyone to do everything you request or ask. But simply loving your brother and understanding and doing what may be best is not what he necessarily needs. Because God does that for us. He doesn't give me what I always need, but he gives me what is best for me in that moment. Uh, It is our prayer, my prayer, that we... um, learn to be more like him (laughs) and that as we seek him and seek the grace that he so desires for us to have that grace is unmerited we can't work hard enough for the grace of God it is overwhelming it is unfathomable what that grace does in our lives and even the unjust receive his grace (laughs) in this time so let us pray more for his grace in this season. Let us give us grace to um, be in his word more. Let us have grace uh, to understand in others more. Let us have grace to, to receive uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ because he is our father. That means that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and let us love them as he has loved us. And let us treat them like we want to be treated in this season. Let us pray. Uh, closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love and kindness towards us. And as we seek you, as we ask and as we seek and as we knock, and that you're willing to answer. You're answering with your grace. And that we receive that, even in our weakness, Lord God, that we receive your grace, that we will be made strong. And not boast in our own abilities and not boast in my own talents, but boast in that your grace was sufficient and held me and sustained me 
and allow me to do the things that I'm able to do. Again, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.